0: Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 357. Prepare to embark on a journey with today's most inspiring entrepreneurs. Be adventurous, be enterprising, and triumph! Hate losing your place while reading? Audiobooks.com has patented technology that lets you switch between devices without ever losing your place. Woo! And guess what? You can get your first book for free today. Go to audiobooks.com slash fire. Walker Corporate Law provides a broad range of corporate legal services to entrepreneurs and startups. If you want to get to know who will be handling the most important parts of your business, contact Scott at walkercorporatelaw.com. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Warren Bobro. Warren, are you prepared to ignite?
1: I am absolutely prepared to ignite. This is one of the most exciting events of, of my lifetime, not only appearing on this show, but doing what I love. It's a really, really powerful thing.
0: Awesome, awesome, one. We're excited to share your journey. And Fire Nation, Warren has published over 300 articles on food, wine, and cocktail mixology. In addition to his popular blog, The Cocktail Whisperer, he writes for the Williams-Sonoma blog, Foodista.com, Voda Magazine, and many others. Given Fire Nation just a little overview, Warren, but take a minute. Tell us about you personally. We want to get to know you. Then give us an overview of what it is that you do.
1: That's a nice question. It's a good lead off. I I grew up on a farm in New Jersey. And for people who equate New Jersey with farms, they're probably more intellectually adept than I am because uh, there are very few farms left in New Jersey, especially not one that's only about an hour from New York City. But I didn't just Grow up there. My uh, dad was an international tax lawyer, and we had family interests in Europe. So I was able to travel quite extensively, and uh, and very willingly. So it infused the stories that I tell to the state. I always seem to have a creative uh, edge to me. So uh, let's see how how I can put it nicely. When I when I do things that require me to sit in an office nothing ever good comes out of it. But when I do things that allow my mind to work, all good things come out of it.
0: I think you nailed it on the head, Warren, and that just leads me to believe and to actually know for a fact that you have some great stories that are just waiting for us over the horizon. But before we get to those, Warren, we always start Entrepreneur on Fire Off with a success quote because we really want to get that motivational ball rolling. So take it away.
1: When you do what you love, Everything is easy. Now, I'm not saying it's easy, like easy work, but it's easy to do what you love.
0: Love that. And so just give us one quick example, Warren, not the whole story, but just one quick example of how you've applied this mantra to your life.
1: I worked in the uh, corporate world unsuccessfully for 20 years doing something that I thought would make other people happy. And at the end of the day, when I lost my job because of an offshoring, It wasn't a bad day. What it was is that it was the day that I could become the Warren I always wanted to be, and it's the Warren I am now.
0: I love that, Warren. And and that's what we're actually going to lead into right now is – is your journey, because you're a spotlighted guest. So we're going to go back to a time when, as an entrepreneur, you failed. You just fell flat in your face, or you faced a major obstacle or challenge that you had to overcome, and and we all face those at different points in our journey, Warren. But I want to hear a special story that you're going to share with us today. Take us to that time and share with us the lessons learned.
1: This really resonates for me because before I got into the corporate world I was a trained chef and I started actually as a dishwasher and even prior to that I started as a pot scrubber. I graduated from college, I spent my last year of college at MIT working in visual thinking as a research assistant I wanted to work in television, I worked in Manhattan in the TV industry but something was missing, I really wanted to become a cook, I wanted to become a chef And to do that, you had to start at the bottom. So I worked my way up through the brigade system. And, you know, I I was okay. I wasn't a great fancy chef. I always worked in five-star restaurants and white tablecloth places. But really, it, it might not have been a good fit until I moved down to Charleston, South Carolina, to attend Johnson & Wales. And at Johnson & Wales, I met who would become my future business partner. Unfortunately, we had more more knowledge and how to make the product that we made rather than the business knowledge and the business acumen that's necessary to run a successful business. And although we were the only manufacturers of fresh pasta in South Carolina, soon after Hurricane Hugo happened in 1989, I lost everything. And uh, I didn't realize my partner had been stealing from the business and I didn't pay attention to the books. So my first entrepreneurial effort was an out-and-out failure, and I lost all my money, which was my inheritance, and I lost it all. So it put me into the corporate world, a job that I didn't want to be in, and 20 years passed before I was able to do, ultimately, what brings me joy.
0: Wow, so you moved down to the Carolinas, and you were the only restaurant producing fresh pasta, and you went forward, you guys obviously had some successes, you had some failures, Talk a little bit more about the realization of the fact that your partner, A, was stealing from you and then B, the finance side. What did you learn from that that you applied to later ventures in life?
1: Well, first off, John, it wasn't a restaurant. I'd, I worked in restaurants, but at the time, it was this uh, Old Charleston Pasta was a pasta manufacturing corporation. Cool. So sold to restaurants certainly, Got sold it. to supermarkets absolutely, and we had a retail store on King Street in Charleston, a, a, a storefront. So the realization was that I sh- that I was out doing the sales, and my partner was making the pasta, so I wasn't watching how much was being bought, how much ingredients were going out the back door, how many parties he was doing. And I wasn't looking at the books. And being the son of a tax attorney, I should know better than to trust someone else to do the taxes for me. So that was the the lesson learned. And, And the lesson going forward is I was recently in a position where my current finances were looked at. And I felt that Had I done things like I used to do, I may not have had the result that I had, uh, and it was a positive result.
0: This is a great lesson learned, Warren, that I just want to hang on to for one more second because I think there's something really important that we can pull out of this and share with Fire Nation, and that's what you would have done if you could do it all over, knowing what you know now. Having a partner, you being out on the streets and doing the sales, and him being behind the scenes, keeping the books, and keeping track of all that stuff, what would you have done? Would you have gone out and hired a third party, like a a bookkeeper slash accountant, to have all of that under one roof in a professional manner? Or how would you have gone about that?
1: Well, we, we did have a bookkeeper. I didn't know that the bookkeeper was fired. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and we did have a tax accountant, but I didn't realize that that person had that I was partners with had two sets of books. I mean, th- this, this guy had, had serious personality problems, and he just wasn't meant to be in, in partnership with me or with anyone else. And I think the takeaway from this is don't have a partner. Don't go, into a, don't go into a business with a friend. You can't go into it with a friend. You have to go with someone who's disinterested. If you're going to make a, make a move of being in a partnership, make sure that each of the parties is disinterested. Because if you have a personal interest, something is going to be there and something's going to tick you off and it's going to, first off, it's going to ruin the friendship and second off, the business is going to fail.
0: Warren, well, I think this is a great lesson learned and I can tell you from having interviewed over 350 incredibly successful, incredibly inspiring entrepreneurs, so many of their failures, challenges and obstacles that they've had early in their entrepreneurial journeys point to partnerships, point to partners that just clash personality-wise, that just clashed on different business ideals. And I think that your message rings true, and obviously you've taken that forward, and I commend you for that. I really want to thank you for sharing that with Fire Nation because that really is a powerful lesson. There's so many listeners right now, Warren, who are thinking about taking that step in with a partner or thinking about breaking off on their own. And, you know, this may help them step back and really identify which path is best for them. So great stuff. And what I want to do, Warren, is go to the other end of the spectrum because, yes, You've had your challenges, you've had your obstacles, you've had your failures. I have. Everybody that's listening has had these. It's part of living, it's part of life and it's definitely part of the entrepreneurial journey. But the other end of the spectrum is that inspirational moment, that aha moment when that light bulb goes off, Warren. Share with us that story. What was that moment? Take us there with you. We want to be there when the clouds parted and you said, wow, this is me. This is the real Warren. And then what actions did you take after that?
1: There are two events. The first event, uh, I'm the uh, cocktail writer, the mixologist for a married couple of men. Uh, named the Beekman Boys, and they are in Sharon Springs, New York. And they asked me to their wedding, and Martha Stewart was actually a guest at their wedding. Not that I'm dropping names, but just <laughs> giving it a, just giving it a little perspective. And they asked me to be their mixologist to create a cocktail and a mocktail for their 300 some odd guests, and I I did so. And that that was an aha moment for me that I could be put in the in the spotlight there because I've never been one to be in the spotlight. I. When I worked in banking, I I was the executive assistant, the senior leader of trust. So it was certainly not. It was certainly a dry, dry world, and you know, you would never. The executive assistant would never have his hand up. It wasn't about me. So when I uh, when I was there on stage and taking care of all the Beekman Boys guests, it was an aha moment. The second one was down in New Orleans last month at the yearly event known as Tales of the Cocktail. And I initially had been invited by the founder, Ann Tunnerman, uh, to be a journalist. And I, every year I go with a press pass. I, because I'm a writer, I can you know go to events that, that kind of give me a pause to be able to be included. But really, all I wanted to do was being included as what I am now. And that's a mixologist slash hack bartender who's doing what he loves, who is actually fortunate enough to write about it and to get published. So at the end of the day, the aha moment was being down in New Orleans at Tales of the Cocktail, doing the Milk Punch event and also doing the Whiskey Luau event with a recipe of my own that I created and I performed and produced for several hundred people. And it was just magic. It was magic. I was finally meant to be doing something, and I was doing what I loved. I'm great at it, and every single person who came up said that they thought that they were the best cocktails that they had at the event. I'm not sponsored by a major liquor company. I work with small businesses. I write exclusively about the craft end of the business, and for me to hear that uh, that people actually like what I was making, what I had to offer, was the aha moment for me.
0: So, Warren, let's really boil this down now to just one clear lesson, one clear takeaway from this aha moment that you can share with the listeners here with Fire Nation.
1: Don't be afraid of being scared, and don't be afraid of not knowing, and don't be afraid about emptying your mind of the past, and go forward with an open mind and expect to fail, but expect that through your failure, you learn how to become the person that you are and that will make you successful. And don't be afraid to fail. That's, that's the, the biggest thing. People go through entrepreneurial fashion by, by being a, afraid of failure. And the only way you get better is by failing.
0: Are these all emotions that you felt throughout your journey?
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I started as a food writer, and that was a failure. And then I started writing about wine, and that was a failure. And then I hit my stride when I started writing about cocktails because being a a former chef and being a saucier and understanding flavor and growing up on a a farm certainly didn't hurt being able to put together great cocktails that people actually like. And I found what I wanted to do and I'm good at it and I have a lot to learn and, and a lot further to go.
0: So Warren, I want to talk briefly about one of the major inflection points of your life, and that was the year leading up to you being forced out of corporate America, and then the year after that when you really found yourself in a new playing field and what you did with that. Can you share with Fire Nation that period in your life, that inflection point?
1: Oh, it was miserable. It was, I was miserable. Um, I, would, I would have been the poster child for psychoanalysis, the, uh, the year before I left the corporate world, I was working for a, su- a succession of, of horrible, more horrible, and most horrible bosses that I've ever had in my whole career. People that absolutely wanted to destroy me on a daily basis, they, they made me cry. I, I'm a sensitive guy, but they pushed me past my limit, and, and for me to cry in front of someone is really, really a big deal. And they made me cry pretty much on a daily basis to, to get me to quit. And I never would quit. But the day that my job was offshored and my boss at the time brought me into her office and she told me to sit down and I refused because I knew it was coming. And And she said, although you've done a wonderful job, and I knew that wasn't true because I really wasn't such a great executive assistant. And she said, I hope this doesn't impact your life too much. And I, at that point, I embraced her, which is something I'd never done because I'd never even shaken her hand, much less get near her. And I said, you've helped me become who I've always wanted to be, but never had the ability of doing because I was scared to.
0: That's a powerful moment, Warren. And I can just kind of see that weight, those shackles being lifted off and unhooked you know, from your shoulders and from your legs, from that corporate America struggle that you were finding yourself in on a daily basis that was just beating you down into submission, keeping you from the person that you truly are, and take us through those next couple of days, through those next couple of weeks of you walking out of that fog that was kind of emplaced upon you within this corporate structure and then into the entrepreneurial venture you now find yourself in.
1: Well, I think really what did it, John, was I was I was getting a divorce. And my ex-wife at the time uh, swore in open court that I had no ambition. And that made me feel as if I truly had something wrong with me and that I I, that that I either I do something about my life then and there or I never would. And so I took it upon myself to become something different and Take, take another route. I, I have to explain, though, all during working the time working in the corporate world, nights and weekends, holidays, I would work in gourmet shops and wine shops and do private chef work. So I never really lost my hand at doing what I loved. And it seemed like everyone I came upon always had the same thing to say to me every single time. They said, what are you doing in the corporate world? You don't belong in the corporate world. The corporate world is not for you. This is not a good fit. And I couldn't listen to them because I was making too much money. And it all went down to money. And I I had a lifestyle and I had a, I had a marriage that ultimately fell apart. And I had all these promises and dreams and wishes of being something great in the corporate world. But every single day that I went in there, I literally could pour the sweat out of my shoes by 9 a.m.
0: The golden handcuffs worn.
1: That's right. I was just an AVP. The VPs were earning six figures. The EVPs were earning high six figures and then above. And in banking, they take very good care of themselves.
0: That has just been a phenomenal revelation of how you were just in this incredibly painful situation on a daily basis. You were fortunately for you forced out of it because you may still be there had those golden handcuffs never been taken off you forcibly and broken into now what you do and what you love and in a little pre-intro chat you proclaiming that you are the luckiest man in the world which I am just so happy that you have reached that point in your life and on that note I'd like to ask you this question have you had an I've made it moment
1: yeah absolutely I last year I received an email out of the blue from someone named Jill Alexander, who works for Fairwinds Press up in Beverly, Massachusetts. And she asked me if I would like to write a book. And I knew at that moment that all my work that I had done was the I finally made it moment. Now, I had to write a proposal. And I'd never – I'd written a couple book proposals in the past – But they were all shut down. In fact, I never heard back from the publishers, so I can only imagine that they weren't good enough. And most of the articles that I've written, I'd say 90% of them I never hear back from magazines or or anyone. They they really don't have very good manners, but I can't change that. All that I can say is I write some pretty amazing stuff for someone who's only been writing for just over, you know, about four years, since 2009. So I received this email and I responded to it, and I created a book proposal. And lo and behold, my book proposal was accepted. And the book is called Apothecary Cocktails, Restoratives from Yesterday and Today. And the book is out October 1st. And I sent you, John, the uh, the link to the pre-sale for Quarry Books, so you can share that if you like. And uh, it's also on Barnes & Noble and Amazon and there's an ISBN number, so you can take it to your local bookstore and, uh, and order it. It's in pre sale We've done pretty well in pre sale and uh, we're talking about doing another one. So, uh, so that's what's going on. That was my I've made it moment. Now, writing books don't make you a wealthy man, but I hope that, uh, that other things will happen. In two weeks, I was invited to go to Italy uh, to drink a little bit of wine and write about it for Foodista, and it's completely paid for. I go down to, to, uh, you know, to New Orleans, that's a press trip that's paid for. Uh, There are a lot of things that I'm doing that uh, would require the the resources of a much wealthier man than myself to be able to do well. And I don't stay in opulent places. I've had to sleep on couches recently. But you know what, at the end of the day, I'm doing what I love. And it's so far turned out to be pretty successful.
0: Let me just commend you for your success, Warren. And for those listeners that are listening to this podcast the day it was launched, which is over 15,000 of you, October 12th is the date today. So the book is actually live. And Warren, we will link up directly to that book on your show notes page, which is eofire.com slash Warren Bobro. So Warren, I want to bring things to present time right now. I want you to share with Fire Nation one thing that's just really exciting you right now that we haven't yet talked about
1: the one thing that that we haven't talked about would be something highly personal to me and that would be basically doing doing this incredible thing without any any real support from uh from my I have a very interesting family life and they would like to see, I have, well, I'll just go right into it. I have a 101-year-old grandmother who, every time I I see her, asks me the same thing. When are you going to be finished with your hobby? I think you would have made a great accountant. <laughs> yeah, you laugh. It's true. 101 years old. This is a hobby, and uh, I would make a great accountant. I could work with my father, who's a tax lawyer. Great. You know what's exciting me most? The part of it that I can say that I've actually accomplished something on my own without any help from my parents or or my family or really anyone else. I've created all this on my own. And so when I think about that negative thing of someone saying, when are you going to be finished with your with your hobby and you would have made a great accountant, would be that I'm happy that I'm continuing in my hobby and I would not make a great accountant and I've made a pretty darn good author. <laughs>
0: I, as well, would not make a pretty darn good accountant, believe me. So, Warren, we're going to take a second here to thank our sponsors. Those huge law firms don't really get what you're going through as an entrepreneur or somebody working on a startup. They don't want to get to know you, and they probably don't care much about your business. It's transaction in and paperwork out, but not with Walker Corporate Law. Walker Corporate Law is a boutique corporate law firm who has created a new business model designed specifically for entrepreneurs and startups looking for an alternative to the big law firms. Their mission, to protect entrepreneurs and to help them succeed. They provide a broad range of corporate legal services, from idea to exit. They have you covered from mergers and acquisitions to licensing agreements, all the way to terms and services and privacy policies. And all of their lawyers have at least 10 to 25 years of experience. So if you're looking to skip the huge law firm but still ensure you're protected, then contact the founder, scott at walkercorporatelaw.com. Ah, there's nothing better than having targeted audio content at my fingertips. iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Audiobooks.com, of course. If you love consuming audio content as much as I do, then you're going to love Audiobooks.com. In addition to their online library that boasts over 40,000 titles, including bestsellers, new releases, and all of your business favorites like The 4-Hour Workweek, Crush It, and Utility, Audiobooks has an industry-leading bookmarking technology. Sound random? Um, Try downloading multiple audiobooks and listening to them simultaneously. The bookmarking technology is such a lifesaver. You'll never lose your place again, even when switching between devices. If you're looking for great audio content that you can listen to instantly from anywhere, check out audiobooks.com today. You can download audiobooks to your Apple or Android device for offline listening or stream them instantly. Check out all the great benefits of becoming a member and get your first book for free today at audiobooks.com slash fire. This is a perfect segue to my favorite part of the show, which is the lightning rounds. And this is where I get to ask you a series of questions and you come back at us Fire Nation style with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan?
1: Absolutely.
0: What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur?
1: I did have... Three failed ventures of being an entrepreneur. I mean, this is this is not the, the, the first time I've been an entrepreneur. And I think you'll find through anyone who, who is truly an entrepreneur, it's not the first time that they've tried it. And that's what makes us entrepreneurs. The ability of failing, the ability of failing with a smile and going forward.
0: What is the best advice you've ever received?
1: Get the hell out of the corporate world. <laughs>
0: Can you share one of your personal habits that you believe attributes to your success?
1: I try to start my day off with a clear mind, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I've emptied my mind in an Asian philosophical fashion. I just try to clear it of, of the stuff that I was working on from the day before so I can go forward and try to get something done new during the day rather than dwelling on old stuff.
0: Warren, do you have an internet resource like a never that you're just in love with that you can share with our listeners?
1: I'm a fanatic for foodista.com, and not necessarily because they've helped me become the writer I am today, but because I have such a great reach uh, through them. And also, the, my, the first website I ever wrote for was Wild River Review, uh, Joyce Stockey's literary magazine in Stockton, New Jersey, near Princeton. And uh, she gave me my first chance to, uh, to be a writer, and she's the toughest editor I've ever had She does not sugarcoat anything, and had she said, you know, you really don't belong here being a writer, I probably wouldn't have understood immediately, but it would have sunk in eventually. And then, of course, my teachers, Andy Smith and Alan Richman, when I took uh, Andy Smith's class at the New School in food writing and I took Alan Richman's class at the International Culinary uh, Academy in New York City, uh, you know, they both could have said, Go back to banking. You really don't belong being a food writer or a cocktail writer. But they didn't. In fact, uh, Alan compared my writing to uh, to Faulkner. So, uh, I, you know, with 14 James Barrett awards under his belt, he doesn't mince words.
0: Well, Fire Nation, you can find the links to this resource and everything that we've mentioned in today's episode at eOfire.com/ dot com slash Warren Bobro Warren, if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be?
1: I would pick up uh, Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson because there's nothing greater than a child with an imagination. And there's no age that creates more interest than the time that I was a child and I had an, an imagination. So when I, not that I don't have an imagination now, <laughs> but, I, but I certainly, uh, I have, uh, let's see, I think there are 17 issues of Robert Louis Stevenson. And when I glance back at the at the books, It infuses my mind with possibilities.
0: Love that. That is the first time that book has been recommended on Entrepreneur on Fire. 350 plus episodes. Thank you for being unique, Warren. And Fire Nation, if you haven't already, you can get the audio version of this book for free at eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. So Warren, this next question is my favorite, but it's kind of tricky. So take your time. Digested, then come back at us with an answer. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelter taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and five hundred dollars. What would you do over the next seven days?
1: What I would do with with not knowing a soul is I would start my own newspaper and involve everything that I came upon in the next seven days and, and write it in a fashion and publish self-publish it, maybe with one of those free WordPress blogs. And if I had one reader or one follower, it would be one more than I did the day before. And that's how you start writing about food or writing about wine or writing about liquor or writing about any of the things that I know how to write about that certainly would put food on the table. And if all else fails at least I know how to wash dishes. (laughs) The dishwasher never starves.
0: Love it, Warren. And I have truly enjoyed listening to your journey. And man, there are just so many inspiring points that you opened up and really share some raw things with Fire Nation. And I thank you for that. Give us one parting piece of guidance. Share the best way that we can connect with you. And then we'll say goodbye.
1: John, I think the best way of getting in touch with me is through my website. It's Whisperer.com. You can also read my work on the Beekman Boys, Beekman1802.com, or uh, Foodista.com. And then there are a lot of other places that I write for. Uh, if you wanted to know more about me as a, uh, as a person, you could take a look at my forthcoming book, which will be out by the time this, this show airs, Apothecary Cocktails, Restoratives from Yesterday and Today. And I think it's a nice read. It's not only for bartenders, but it's for people who just like to learn about things for healing, because after all, one of the great toasts of mankind is, here's to what ails (laughs) you.
0: And one parting piece of guidance, Warren?
1: The one parting piece of guidance is don't be afraid to fail, because you only really have one life that I believe. And You have to go forward. And with every great failure, there certainly should be at least one success.
0: Warren, Fire Nation is well aware. They can find the links to everything that we've talked about at eofire.com. Click on the podcast tab. You're hanging out in the archives. We also have an amazing search bar. Type in Warren. Type in Bob Rao. It will take you right to his show notes page. Warren, thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise, and experience. Fire Nation salutes you, and we'll catch you on the flip side.
1: Thank you very much, John. Good day.
0: Fire Nation, have you been waiting for the right time to create your podcast? Well, guess what? That time is now podcastersparadise.com is the place where you will find a thriving community of podcasters an ever-growing library of incredible video tutorials for every stage of your podcasting journey and access to private webinars where today's top podcasters reveal the inside scoops and tactics all this for one price what are you waiting for go to podcastersparadise.com today to learn more